Welcome back to the Christ Community Church podcast. My name is Jana and I'm the Connections Pastor and we are going to talk about this December 3rd's message, the second message of Advent. And it was titled, I have it here, The Revelation of Jesus and Blake Cox, you were our preacher on Sunday. That's right. So I have a few questions for you. Are you ready to answer them about the message? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Well, do what do you think of Advent? Do you celebrate Advent? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Chantel and I, we very much enjoy the season of Advent. I Before coming to this church, I actually had no idea what Advent was. Okay. Um, it's actually a question I ask my high school students a lot. Like, what does Advent mean? They're like, I don't know. I hear it a lot. And it really just, it's the preparation for the coming of a king. Okay. And that's what Advent is really pointing to. And so after having that knowledge now, um, I think Chantel and I, we just really, uh, we prepare our hearts for this season and just get excited and um, are just thankful for everything that God pours out on us. In terms of like traditions, um, we don't really have any, uh, aside from, like I said, the chocolate calendars. <laughs> That's uh, a good one. <laughs> yeah. Although you can't really give me one of those cause I normally just eat about 60% of the chocolate in the first day. Okay. Uh, so, well, if you get behind though, it's a really fun thing because you know, you can have four pieces of chocolate to catch back up. That's right. So. But I'm impatient and I just... So here's a question. Do you have enough chocolate that Chantel gets any, or do you have to break it in half and share it? Well, we, we get two okay. Christmas Advent calendars, and, okay. and she she does the best she can to go, you're only allowed to have one. Yeah. One per day. Yeah. Well, <laughs> good luck, Chantel. <laughs> well, you're going to have a different Christmas next year because you are going to have a new baby added to your house. That's right. That's right. So I know for myself, some of the traditions got started because of kids, but yeah. um, that's when then you stopped having chocolate because you didn't want them to have it. But Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Probably not the best. So the title was The Revelation of Jesus mm -hmm. and that God reveals himself. That's right. Um you gave us a verse that we went to straight from Hebrews. And why there? Uh, what verse are you? Hebrew, well, you started in Hebrews 1. That's right. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Mm -hmm. So how does, that, how does that apply to us today? Like, what does that have to do with Advent? Um, well, I think... Really, the writer is just setting up, you know, what what was and what it is now. Mm. Um, and so, for so long, like that was that was their their source of truth and revelation from God, uh, spoken to uh, a prophet and as the voice piece of God. And so, there were many prophets throughout the Old Testament that would fulfill that role. Uh, now. That's why it's so significant because in the, the last days, Jesus Christ is the only one who fulfills that role now. There are no added prophets. There's no new prophets. Okay. Um, and so there's, I know there's, there's many religions out there that would say that, oh, Jesus wasn't the final prophet. And that's why we have, I mean, yeah, just many, I won't get into all the religions that okay. have that idea. 
But rest assured, the Hebrew writer is just, he's saying this as a means to say, uh, now the greatest is Christ because he is God himself. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, You talked about that he was revealed and he spoke through different things in the Bible. And I was a little surprised (laughs) because I remember him speaking through a donkey, but I never thought of fruit. So you told us something about fruit. And I know a lot of people have been thinking on this. Did you go home and ask your fruit to talk to you? (laughs) Uh, No, I did not go home and talk to my basket of fruit. (laughs) So tell me, like, I didn't know that story from Amos. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's hard to pull out the evidence of that. Mm. Um, I, I, I gained this knowledge from a, a trustworthy, uh, scholar that I, I watch and, uh, as a means to help me in my forming and, and when it yeah. comes to preaching and whatnot. So it really comes out of, uh, Amos chapter eight. Okay. Um, and, uh, whether or not God actually was speaking in the fruit, it doesn't really make that entirely clear. It just it, it, God uses the fruit as an example okay. of what's happening with Israel and his how he's fed up with Israel and he's going to do something about it. And so, um, yeah, it's not entirely clear, but... Uh, but, but God's not limited by he's not. A, a piece of fruit. So. He's not limited. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me, especially if he's, if he's speaking through bushes. Yeah. And if he's speaking through donkeys, which that story is very wild, by the way. Um, and the, the reason why I didn't uh, include that story is because the prophet was a wicked prophet. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, uh... Not going to really use that one because that's not the voice piece of God. Uh, so, Well, hopefully it straightened him out. But um, Yeah. So do you hear God's voice? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, audibly, no. I've heard people who hear the audible voice of God. I think you see that uh, often within the Old Testament, mm. the audible voice of God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then you also see him primarily through visions and dreams and uh, really the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, the Spirit of God descended even in the Old Testament on those that would be the voice piece of God. So, um, yeah, I think it, where I'm at today, it's I hear God's voice through deep intentional prayer. Mm. and really getting in to his word. Okay. Um, I, and, and, and really it's, it's the leading in a sense to where yeah. it's hard to understand the moment. You know, when we think of circumstances, we think of our situations in life and we go, no, God wouldn't allow me to go through this. And then a couple of years go by, by and you look back on that moment yeah. and you go, I, I get it. Yeah. I understand why he allowed me to go through that. And so I think God speaks in those subtle ways to where we can't fully comprehend and understand at times. Yes. Um, But then time goes on and you get this revelation and it usually brings you to tears of like, man, God's faithfulness has been with me. Yeah. He's been speaking the whole time. That's right. So So you said that you didn't become a believer until you were, was it 21? 21. Okay. What, 
did you hear about the word of God before that and you didn't receive it or you hadn't totally even heard about it? Um, I mean, no, I've, I've heard about the word of God growing up in, in some instances, you know, the, the Christers, the, the Christmas, Easter time, uh, every once in a blue moon, I would open my Bible. Uh, but even then I still didn't understand what I was reading. Okay. So, uh, yeah, when I was 21, I just remember distinctly just in the month of January, year 2016, uh, that month just spoke so profoundly because I think that was, that was the time when I actually fully submitted my life to Christ. Hmm. And I could tell because of what followed next. Okay. So could you say that God was speaking to you, that he was revealing himself to you during that time? Oh, very much. Okay. Yeah, very much. And I think more than any time before. Yeah. Because what I didn't have before, what I did at that point and what I do now is a desire to know God. Mm. Like there were moments prior to me being 21, prior to me being saved, uh, that... I would come to God when I was down. Yeah. Like a couple times a year, I guess. Uh, but that desire wasn't there. Yeah, sure. And there was a, a distinct moment where that changed. And I had a, uh, not just a, a need for God, but a longing to draw okay. near to him. Okay. Um, and that's just uh, grown ever since. I think those are those times that he's starting to reveal himself, you know, and I think for a lot of us, we have to pay attention to that. Um, and that's the great thing about God is that that Holy Spirit can work through anything, fruit, people, right. animals, situations that happen in our lives and reveal himself more to us. So um, I'm glad you found him. Um, yeah, me too. But I have another important question for you. Okay. Because we moved on from hearing about how God speaks and that he speaks, he, he now speaks through Jesus. Um, but then we talked about the glory of God and we heard something like you might have stared at the sun one time. <laughs> Is that true? I mean, yeah. What, what teenage boy doesn't look at the sun for, a, uh, I, I won't say a long period of time, but you know... You've been told your whole life, if you look at the sun for a certain amount of time, it'll go blind. And so you, you want to put that theory to the test a little bit. Well, I'm concerned, like, if we need to go tell children's ministry, because you had a certain amount of time, like, after a certain amount of time, we're going to become blind. That's right. And you wear contacts. So is there any truth no, to any of this? No, Okay, I've, I was a little concerned. I've had horrible visions since I was four years old. That, that was, had nothing to do no, with the sun. No, that was a pure joke. Um, I do... I... I'm aware that children were sitting in here, though, on Sunday, so I'm a little concerned a few of them are going to be uh, practicing uh, unhealthy things like looking at the sun for long periods of time. <laughs> well, we'll have some maybe that were like you as a child that will be looking at the sun and some that were like me and get outside and cover their eyes because they don't want to have to wear contacts and become blind. It is so. interesting, though, because if you look at it, you, you turn away and you really don't see much after <laughs> that. It's just very bright. So. It is, but but like you used that as a great example, or at least it made me start thinking about the glory of God. Yeah. And 
you said something about the sun that I found that when we are looking at it, we're really not looking at the sun, the itself. sun itself. Right. Yeah. And so can you tell me more about that? <laughs> tell me more about the glory of God in, <laughs> implied with the sun. I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to be talking about <laughs> our, that's fine. <laughs> our star in the sky. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it, it's just used as an example. Oftentimes when we think of glory, we think of things that are bright. Okay. Like when you, when you view moments of the transfiguration is a great example. Um, the glory of God was upon Jesus and he was, uh, the Bible says that his face was so bright, like his clothing was white as snow and he was just, he was illuminating. And, um, and so glory is often accompanied with some sort of brightness brightness okay yeah so um and i i think there's i think there's a reason behind that because when you think of darkness all darkness is is the absence of light Mm. and there's a reason why the bible's i mean this whole thing in revelation about not needing a sun uh an actual star in the sky because we're we're having uh, god's glory that that's our source of light whether or not that's literal I don't know. I, I can't tell you whether, whether or not that's literal. Um, but. Well, I, I think too, like the one place I think about it, you said the transfiguration. I think about Moses going up to meet with God and get right. the 10 commandments and how he came down and the people couldn't look he at was Moses. Glowing. They weren't even seeing God, right. but they couldn't look at Moses because of the time that he spent with God. Right. And like what was amazing, there was like, there were several things getting in Moses's way as a means of protection. Like yeah. he had a mask on, he had like clouds and, and, and yeah. all these things just to protect himself from the radiance of God's glory. Cause it would, it would absolutely destroy him. <laughs> well, and you kind of mentioned how we can see God sometimes as like a cranky old guy right. or all these different images that we can have of God and thinking about how Moses encountered God Mm -hmm. and needed that protection because of the glory of God. It made me start thinking again, do I, do I remember and do I talk to God like he is full of that glory? Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good representation especially those moments in the Old Testament when you see God's glory of the simple fact that the ultimate expression is that he's good. Mm. That's really what it comes down to is that he really is amazing and good and loving and that shows through his glory. Okay. Um, And so, uh, and I just, I love these moments where you, and then you see Jesus in in a similar fashion uh, illuminate and, his glory is being shown off. Yeah. Um, and so you can see the comparison of, no, the God of the Old Testament and the God in the New Testament, they're, they're not different. They're one and the same. And um, again, you look at John chapter one, everything uh, was created for Jesus, through Jesus, by Jesus. And so it ultimately points back to Christ, um, yeah. who in the same time honors and loves and respects his father. And this is the triune Godhead, which we don't have time today to talk in depth about that. Okay, so what's triune mean? <laughs> I can't even say the word, but tell me what it means. Uh, the 
the Father, Son, and the Spirit, all equal in authority and a power and power, mm. all equal in glory, uh, amazing and wonderful, uh, and with I'll say it this way different roles. Okay. So the same, but different roles. Okay. And and that's a simple way. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think of um, things that portray Jesus being born, and I know especially old pictures. Um, older than me even, of uh, the nativity Mm -hmm. and thinking they often put this little halo hat thing on Jesus. So they were trying to depict just by a picture that this baby was the son of God. And I think that glory being reminded that he was God from that moment forever um, and not just a baby born in a manger although more than likely he was probably dirty and needed a shower yes (laughs) i'm I'm sure he didn't have a little halo on his head laying there in the hay so no well that's the beauty of philippians 2 as well yeah reading philippians 2 that jesus didn't use his divine nature as a means to his advantage he put that aside Hmm. and took on the form of a servant yeah um so you definitely see you see his moments of glory and divinity, but then you also th- see these moments of just normal man. Yep. <laughs> Dirty, like he, he Had did. to experience what we have to experience. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. I do wonder if his mom was up a lot with him. So. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure she was. <laughs> and you'll be asking that same question. That's a good um, question, though. Here's a hypothetical. Did Jesus ever cry? I bet he did, and I think that whole silent night. I mean, I think we. Well, I mean, Jesus we wept, so he did. But as I, a baby, I I think too, uh, crying wasn't a sin for no. a baby. But it sure you're going to get to learn about that. It sure is a challenge. It kept for a mom parent. and dad up though. Yeah, and they must have been cranky. And a lot of their responses, how they went about the next day. Could have very well been impacted by the fact that they didn't have any sleep. The Son of God could not get some shut eye. (laughs) Okay, we're going to come back now. (laughs) We're going to come back to the fact that you said a lot of big words in in your sermon. I mean, a lot of words that I had to go. Okay, let me think about. Yeah. Do you remember those? Because I I didn't even (laughs) write those down. Uh, You're talking about the different arguments for the existence of God. Yes. Yeah. Existence, I can say that. So people wonder if there really is God. Right. Okay. So uh, we used Hebrews was just saying God existed. Right. But you used a few other words. Can you tell me about one of them? Um, Sure. Uh, I mean, the four that I really listed off were, were the moral, the cosmological, ontological, and then cause and effect. Um, I think the easiest one for me to explain is the moral argument. Okay. Uh, I won't. Oh, the one I can pronounce. Yeah. Yeah, I won't go too much down the those other arguments, um, just because they're vast, and I I know I know some about them, but I'm not nearly as intelligent as some other people on this subject of apologetics of trying to prove the existence of God. So. Uh, the moral reason. Although, although a, a great person, uh, just a shout out, is a 
math, mathematician from Oxford University. His name, name is John Lennox. Okay. So he, he covers these things constantly. In a book or a podcast? Uh, or? Yeah. He has uh, uh, several books. And I just I watch him on YouTube, a lot okay. of his arguments. Yeah. He's an older guy and loves Jesus, and, but he's a genius and absolutely, I mean, he's a professor at Oxford University, so. Um, <laughs> a little beyond you and I at the moment. Huh? Yeah, but he just, I mean, he has, uh, um, he has some argument, he, he has arguments with some of the top leading atheists, and he does a great job just responding to a lot of their questions and concerns as well. So anyway, um, all that to say, you know, I tend to use the moral argument as a means to explain the existence of God to someone who, really doesn't have any uh, interest or they need some sort of proof or something like that. Um, I recently spoke to an old friend of mine who is starting to take God more serious because he's looking out in our world and he's seeing the corruption going on in our world today. Uh, and that's actually caused him to question, man, is there, is there a God out there? Yeah. And I and I, I think of and I used the example of the more argument to him many months ago and he remembered it and we just followed huh. up not too long ago and he's like, I remember when you explained that to me and it made a lot of sense. And it's just this this idea of how do we have a moral compass inside of us? Like genetic makeup can't do that. Um it this idea of having the ability to know what is right and what is wrong, like righteous versus unrighteous. There's something inside our very being to where uh, killing a baby, we, we know that as evil and wrong. Yeah. Um, helping an old lady cross the street, we know that as good and morally upright. Okay. How do we have that idea? And uh, the big argument is that because God is the one who established that inside of us, that moral compass inside of us that cannot be defined from a, a social construct. Okay. Because uh, humans are inherently evil and, and wrong. And we have this innate nature about us to sin and which is kind of not what the world says. Right, right. But at the same time, like, and, and that's why this argument is so effective because you can ask someone, you know, do you believe this is good versus bad? Unfortunately, we're seeing in our world today that there are a lot of people that will take something that is good and manipulate it enough to go, nah, it's, it's whatever you say is good. Yeah. You know, whatever your truth is, whatever you, you want to believe that's kind of the direction our world is going. Whether or not they actually believe that, I would argue that. I think they're probably more so just trying to um, almost manipulate their own minds. Sure. To be a part of some sort of, uh, you know, movement or stance or off, it often has to do with politics, unfortunately. Okay. But I think every human heart has the ability to go, no, this is good versus this is bad. And, and it's pretty, it's pretty even across the, uh, 
across the universe okay. of, of what we can choose to be. Like murder, it's, it's wrong. Yeah. I think every human can agree that it's wrong. What Hitler did, absolutely unacceptable and morally corrupt and evil. Why is that? Um, and, and so that's kind of the argument is that we have a moral compass inside of us. Okay. Um, and that, having that discussion so with your friend brings you to a God discussion. Right. Right. And it's, it's led him to really ask, you know, hard questions and, and, and it's a way to really just start that kind of okay. like what you're saying. Yeah. Of this is why I put my faith and trust in Jesus. Um, because he knew this from the dawn of time. Mm -hmm. He knew the state of the human heart. And yet in spite of all that, he still did something about it and loved us enough to give up his life so that we may live. Um, so that's why like starting out with an argument like that, not, it's fun too. You know, you get caught up in dialogue and discussion, but then normally it does lead to the next level, the truth of the gospel. Well, and you said, um, I didn't bring you a certificate, but you should have a PhD because <laughs> um, you told us the greatest truth of, of God revealing himself here is through something that most of us all knew. And it was a song. Yeah. And you learned it when you were young. Mm hmm. And it was Jesus Loves Me. That's right. And we're not going to sing it here. No. So people don't need to not. worry about it. But Unless Alex gives me some like <laughs> auto-tune or something along those lines. You go right ahead. <laughs> um, we tend to think that that's just a song that um, Miss Jackie sings over there in the preschool room. That's right. Why did we sing it here at church? Um, in big church with big people. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, I kind of close with this, that idea of Jesus make, making purification for sins mm -hmm. and giving up his life. And God, God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that love kind of just brought me back. I don't know. I was just sitting in my room and that just came to mind of the simplicity of God's love. Yep. You know, what is it, what does it really look like? And, and then I use the example of, you know, going to my grandma's church and hearing this song for the first time. And ever since it's kind of just stuck with me Yeah. of that song. And, and then just also how much more to that song that a lot of people don't know about. Well, I liked how, how you said it really is all those verses combined. It is all the gospel message right there, right. which is the good news of Jesus. And we begin with Advent of Jesus being born, right? But it doesn't stop there, right? So, um, did you know the verses? No. Had, okay. I didn't. I I knew the end. Uh, uh, the yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Yeah. Um, and that was the extent to what I knew. And so when I looked up the actual song lyrics, I was like, wow, this is, this is really the summarization of the gospel hmm. and, and given to us in a simple children's song. And it, it, from what I heard, it touched a lot of people's heart. Like I had a handful of conversations with people afterwards, just telling me stories of, it, for a lot of them, like nostalgic of, 
yeah. reflecting on how God's love has been there with them their whole entire life. Yeah. And so, um, well, I also thought it was great. I mean, we're singing Christmas songs now, and those do remind us about Emmanuel. But singing Jesus Loves Me, we had um, a wonderful Sunday in that it was Youth and Children's Sunday. Mm-hmm. But we had tons of people here. And I know that during the season, a lot more people will come to church because it is the Advent season. So they got to sing a song or listen to something that maybe they had heard before. Yeah. Um, how, how does hearing Jesus loves me, how do we translate that into sharing the Christmas story with people? Hmm. Um, this is, uh, you know, this is, this is the personal testimony side of things to where we get to share with other people of the effect that Christ has had in my life. Mm. Um, with me not always being a Christian, then experiencing God's love when I was 21 years old, I can fall back on a, on a moment in a time where I saw God's love make a way and then just see that throughout my life since. And that happens like with people that are brought up in the church, like what a blessing for those who adore Christ like right out of the womb. Yeah. And I hear stories like that as well. Of people uh just having this desire to know Christ ever since they were super young. And that's a huge blessing. Yep. Um and they get to fall back on those moments as well. And the these are the emotional sides of our testimony that are very impactful mm. and very necessary to reach the human heart. Um, so I think in term, in light of, you know, sharing the Christmas story, I mean, it's, it's really, it's simple. And, and that's why I love the Christmas season because, you know, there's something about every, every person during this time has a longing. And I think, I think that wells up in, in our hearts the most during this time is hope. Okay. Like hope is, is in my opinion, the biggest thing that we kind of cling on during this time. Well, I think we need it so badly and all of a sudden we're thinking about it. Yeah. Where do we find it? Right. And in the human heart, like we have hope during this season and and joy and excitement. And, and most people, this is where it kind of breaks my heart. Most people have hope in the kingdom, but they're forgetting about the king. Like they want the advantages of the kingdom. And, and so you mean like going to heaven? Um, uh, or tell me what you mean. No, I mean, yes, in a way of when you think about the kingdom of God. I, I, I think what, I, what I'm getting at is kind of everything that the kingdom of God stands for. Uh, holiness, righteousness, uh, void of sin, void of pain. That's really what the the Christmas season brings up, like this this moment of hope, and uh, I can sense it and, and and feel it in my bones. Yeah. But so many people just they don't know who the one who 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 that's pointing to. Yeah. And and the one that gives that freely. Well, and I think maybe the way that you presented this on Sunday gives people the opportunity to realize 
it can be as simple yeah. as sharing that the nativity story involves yeah. Jesus and how he was revealed and what that means to them. Um, that it is as simple as Jesus loves me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we were sharing that with people, it might make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was yeah. a great Sunday. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. I had, I had fun with it. And really the, the biggest thing is um, like my encouragement at the end of the message. And I, I just got straight to it. Uh, I didn't give any explanation. I was just like, hey, if you have not given your life to Christ, why are you waiting? Yep. Like, what are you waiting for? There's n- nothing in this world that can offer you true satisfaction and peace. Um, there's only one person, and that's Christ, who can do that. And I think just hearing, I heard uh, just a few people come up to me as well going, man, you were very direct on that point. It's like, that's, that's the truth. Like, yep. s- stop waiting. Like, yep. and, and give your life to Christ. Um, there's, there's no greater way. No. And that's what the season is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thank you, Jana. And I'm not talking to fruit yet, but I will, <laughs> I will be listening to Jesus. Uh, yeah. Maybe don't talk to fruit. <laughs> uh, it's, I, don't, I don't know if it'll work out for you well in today's age. so. I do like your cup, though. Thanks. It's really nice. You want to show everyone what it says? Uh, it was a white elephant gift. Employee of the month, runner-up. Employee. And it makes me feel good because at least I made runner-up. I mean, I mean. <laughs> I mean that, <laughs> that's probably the most, like, uh, humble way to, like, congratulate yourself. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I'll take all I can get. <laughs> And I'll try to be a little discreet about it. Yeah, so. like I'm there, but not quite there. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, so. amen, aren't we all? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.